set up intro thanks a lot <laughs> do it again do it again thanks a lot fiance do it again. you're so sweet oh my god i can't wait to marry you you little <laughs> anyway what's up guys i'm zinga i'm this scott is how we doing scott. we are two americas i'm black he's white we are patriotic we are the conservative couple and i'm super excited about the show today because we have a special guest named arthur mm. and he is a history buff and he's just as nerdy as scott and Ladies, just as handsome. There's a whole lot of good-looking white men on the show today. Mm, and uh, So lucky. <laughs> you are lucky, and uh, you should share this with all of your friends, this particular episode. <laughs> Lots of interesting topics to discuss, and we've got, oh my goodness, a lot of things happening. But, I mean, that's always the case. So at this point, I might just stop saying it. It's not, But it's, it's slower than, like, Trump-era stuff, you got to admit. Sort of. I guess so. Well, we're going to be... Uh, Oh, you got your nice little graphic to pull up for the uh, topics of the day there, darling? Uh, I do not because okay. Zinga was wedding planning and forgot. <laughs> Daydreaming about marital bliss. Uh, we're going to be right. discussing uh, 9-11, remembering United Flight 93 specifically. We've got modern day bail worshippers and they're big mad at Texas over mm. the heartbeat law. Mm. Liberty is for moral people. A little discussion between Z and I. And then we'll be discussing how Fauci lied under oath about gain of function. And Why nobody seems to care. Lying? Why are you always lying? But those will be the topics of the day. And uh, obviously, we've got a special guest, as she mentioned, um, Jonathan Ryan. He'll be coming on the show later to discuss the path forward. Ooh, I'm excited about that. because I'm, I'm I expect to learn a lot. We're going to learn a lot of history today. Going to be learning, put your learning caps on. <laughs> but, um, you know, in remembrance of 9 11, we have a little snippet of a video. I don't know if you have that. I do. Up. Yeah. Yes. We're going to play that for you just to kind of get the, uh, the vibe. Look, please. Do you mind? Would, would you help me? Will you say the Lord's Prayer with me? But I didn't hesitate to recite it with them. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We recited it word for word. Give us this day our daily bread. We did it in a calm voice. We did it together, very calmly. And I think that just gave him the strength because after that, that's when he told me that he's going out on his faith and they're going to jump the guy with the bomb. I told him I would stand behind him. That's what he chose to do. Mm. Mm. Sorry to start us off on such a light note, but I think it's really important that we remember these people. I mean, it's been it's been a couple decades now, mm -hmm. but the wounds are still fresh, at least for some of us. Yeah, it still makes me cry every yeah, year. It hits me every time. Mm -hmm. But I, I specifically chose that example because uh, Mr. Barnes, I believe, Tom Barnes, um, he was an interesting sort of example of heroism to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's... And, and, and I liked the order of operations in his death, unfortunately. He 
told the people on the phone, he was talking on the, talking on the phone for a long time and he ended up speaking, I believe to the FBI for a while. And then the operator, he was informing them about the movements of the terrorists, what was happening. He was the one who they've informed that they were probably going to be aiming for some important government building mm-hmm. that they'd already hit the trade towers and mm-hmm. so forth. And so he was, he was not just a, a victim of a crime. He was, he was, he was a player in essentially foiling a terrorist plot. Mm-hmm. And before, you know, the revolt against the terrorists where everybody kind of got up and revolted, you know, he, he had them read the Lord's prayer, say it with him. And then he got up and his famous last words were like, everybody ready, let's roll. Mm-hmm. And at that point they attacked the terrorists successfully managed to crash the plane and kill everyone on board, saving untold lives. That's intense. So, you know, you get these people who, they're not they're not signing up for this kind of stuff. But yeah. then when they get thrust into it, they rely on their faith and their strength and their purpose and they get the job done. Mm-hmm. The sort of everyday heroes that can become extraordinary just like that, you know, not for any fault of their own. And so I had a lot of respect for the guy and that's why we wanted to play that little bit of the uh, reenactment from a long time ago. It always makes me think um, uh, when I think about 9-11, like what would I have done? Mm. And I would like to think I mean, I was in sixth grade at the time, but if I was a grown woman now, like I would like to think that I would be that brave, but I, I mean, I really don't know. Yeah, and like the fantasy, we do these power fantasies all the time in our head, thinking about scenarios that we would be in and how right. we would handle it. And then you wonder like, boy, what would I really be like? Yeah. Let's hope we are Barnes quality when the time comes, you know? Hopefully. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also wanted to bring up 9-11, not just because of the timeliness of it, but also because... We kind of forgot, didn't mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. y- you see the memes every now and then if you're online as much as I am. It's kind of like, you know, never forget, never forget. And everybody's saying like, well, we forgot. Well, at the anniversary of 9-11, we essentially gave the Taliban back their Good power. Lord, yeah. And uh, I don't know what would be a greater slap in the face to Mr. Barnes's memory than to give the same people who, you know, blew up two big major buildings, killed over 3,000 Americans and untold others in other countries through bombings and acts of terrorism and not to mention the depravity that they've inflicted upon their own citizens, mm-hmm. other innocent victims in their own country, women, especially, you know, Oh, well, you know, we're just going to pull out of that country unilaterally, leave them a bunch of military equipment and then uh, work with them as if they deserved respect. The thing that really pisses me off is how they always pronounce their name properly. Like Taliban, they're trying to like pronounce it their way. Taliban. It, you know, it's like it's like those people who go to like the Italian restaurants and they're like risotto or like caprese. And it's like, just say caprese, dude. You don't you're not Italian. That thing you do? I totally do it, don't I? Yes. That's because I know how to say it. You do it at Mexican restaurants? I do a, not. You do at Italian restaurants. Uh, I believe you do it in Chinese restaurants as well. I can't do it at Chinese. I don't know Chinese. You you know how to speak a, a little bit. Of- <laughs> She says in a Hispanic accent. <laughs> I have the uh, general style, like, senor. Give me a uh, chicken fried rice. Chicken fried rice. That's racist. That's laces. You got to swap the L's and the R's. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what we were talking about. But Taliban. Yeah. And, and it's just it's just sad to me how far we've come, gone mm-hmm. and how far we've fallen. And... Uh, you know, that I, I can think of better ways to honor the memory of people like that, like Mr. Barnes, than, you know, I'm, I can't talk about it. It's just going to make me sad. Yeah, don't get sad. Mm. I mean, this is obviously what happens when you have um, men with no balls leading the country. 
were in this case traitors. I mean, we've been going in on Millie for a couple of weeks now, but it turns out that uh, according to the news, he um, was so quote unquote scared of Trump's mental state in the last days of his pre- presidency that he unilaterally reached out to his equivalent in the Chinese government un- behind Trump's back, behind everyone's back and said, hey, don't worry if we attack you, I'll let you know first. There's a word for that. It starts with a capital T. Ends, ends with the on. Yeah, and it usually results in the death penalty, if I'm not mistaken. Treason. Treason. It's called treason. But he will not be held accountable. At no. least that's, that would be my wager. No. If I had to put my money on him being held accountable. I, hmm. Good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that. They get away with everything, and it's not fair, which kind of you know is what we're going to be talking about today, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the stuff about the heartbeat law, I kind of want to discuss a little bit. It's a good win for Texas. It's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It's not a complete reversal of Roe versus Wade, but it's definitely a it's better than nothing. Yeah. It's definitely better than nothing. What I think is funny though, is that you, you have a global pandemic that everybody's freaking out about. You've got economic inflation going through the roof. You've got all kinds mm-hmm. of other things happening in clown world. I, could, I don't have to list them off. Everybody's experiencing them and they're all dealing with the consequences, but right. you've got all that happening. And then one state in the union decides that it wants to like limit abortion access to once the kid has a heartbeat and everybody collectively all over the world loses their minds and forgets about everything else except that. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting, but the way, <laughs> the way that they like protested and to, sh- to show that they were, they were not su- in support of this was they went on TikTok and said, no more sex. We're going to deprive all the men of sex <laughs> because we can't get an abortion. And did you know, it wasn't women that looked like myself. No, it never is. It really isn't. It was women that looked like if I gained 50 pounds, shave my head. I guess my head is shaved. If I died, my shaved head blew. Mm-hmm. And then didn't wear any a drop of makeup and also looked like I liked women. Why is it always the completely like unlovable looking women oh, don't that, say unlovable. that make all of the sexual threats? Like, I'm going to withhold just, sex from you. And everyone's like, you weren't at, we weren't at risk of wanting it. Like, I don't understand the every t- <laughs> The first time I saw something about a sex strike, it was with one of those types of women that were, we'll call it the ugly duckling. And I was just like, are, are they, te- are they, are they tempting? Like, who are they depriving? I'm guessing they're depriving like some of the most desperate people on Bumble or Tinder or something like that. There is some neckbeard out there just being pounding his desk and his keyboard like, no, come back. Ooh. There's an image. Ooh. Yep, it's gross. These women, these women are disgusting. They're like, I can't kill my baby, so you shan't have sex. It's like, you know what? One of the solutions for abortion, who is it? Stephen Crowder that says there's four, um, there, I, I'm, I am pro-choice. There are four choices. One of those choices is Keep your freaking legs closed. I don't understand what's so difficult about this. And then they're like, you know what? You won't let us have an abortion. We're going to keep our freaking legs closed. It's like, yes, good. Keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> you, ever, you ever notice how like Trump made everybody so crazy with Trump derangement syndrome that he could literally have just said the opposite of like whatever it was that he wanted to happen. And he could probably have made that policy. Just like, by how obsessed with him they were and he, how eager they were to f- resist him. He could say, like, women women don't enjoy sex. And they'll be like, yes, I <laughs> do. <laughs> Violently twitching in their chair just to spite Trump <laughs> and his evil supporters. 
Seriously though, that, that it was it's like basic reverse psychology used on like a four year old. It was it was so transparent. Now it's like Ugh. I feel like that's how they are with Texas and this heartbeat law. It's like they are. You won't let me murder my children. Well, then I'm gonna use discernment, and I'm only gonna have sex with people in a committed relationship who agree with me on my oh oh. Wait. I'm gonna be a conservative. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to do traditional I think they played a trick things. on me. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. so ridiculous. And you know, what's crazy to me too, is that you see this all over the place. Like, what was it? We, we, we put something up where it was, um, what was it? What kind of sexual was it where she only had sex with people that they were in love with? Was it Demi? Yeah. Demisexual. Demisexual. It's like you literally just discovered being a normal human. Or like a female. <laughs> a normal female. A normal female. I only have sex with people. I'm like attracted to um, emotionally and have a commitment with. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. You mean like married women? <laughs> yeah, like a normal relationship that we've had for thousands of years. Like happily married females? Mm. Hmm. Queer. They're going to they're gonna come up with like a new label for being like cis and hetero, but they're going to like put it under the LGBT umbrella. Yeah, it's going to be like, I, I just like penises. For, the, for those of you out there in the comment section, if you already know the answer to this, because I'm sure it already exists, go ahead and it may, post it. It may exist already. Because there's got to be some term for like cis, hetero, straight men that's like really facetious and weird and like over the top that's in the LGBT rubric. rubric. So if you've got it, like throw it at me because I don't know it. Oh, another thing. I, I made a post on Facebook a few hours ago that said, uh, you and I don't have a wedding hashtag. I also think that we're too old for wedding hashtags, but you know, whatever. No one's too old for hashtags. So it's a new it, era. We actually talked about this when we were dating uh, early on. I was like, do you want like a wedding hashtag? And you were like, nah. I was like, me neither. I'm going to give a flying flip. <laughs> but then it was like, hey, I know I have an idea to get people to watch the show <laughs> and actually comment. So for all the all the people uh, either listening or watching, if you have a hashtag like a cool wedding hashtag that Scott and I can do, and you can't say hashtag Chanilla, that's already take that's already it's not taken, but it's already made up. Uh, go ahead and put that in the comment section as well. Contribute, and we'll put it on the show. We'll put it on the show, and we'll get people to vote on it. Ooh, we'll do a poll on Facebook. I dig it. I love polls. I learn things. <laughs> Please, people, participate because you're going to be affecting our future matrimony and happiness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You'll also be supporting the show. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, you know, The Handmaid's Tale is how it's going in Texas. And God bless them for it. At least somebody in the union is actually trying to forward conservative agendas while everyone else is basically capitulating and bending the knee to progressive ones. Greg Abbott is like, don't look at that Alan West fella. <laughs> <laughs> look at what I just did. Yeah. <laughs> I always wonder sometimes like if they, if they actually believe in these things or if they're just doing it because they think it's popular. I kind of don't care. I care I don't care if they're um, you know, saving babies. Yeah. I, I don't. Guess. I mean the, that their soul is up to them and God. That's fair enough. So, another topic we want to discuss is liberty, libertad, and how it's only for moral people. Mhm. Mm you know, this is something that some of the founding fathers pointed out was mm -hmm. that we really didn't have a quote unquote free country with no restraints and no restrictions. Exactly. That's just anarchy, right? Mm -hmm. You got like people like Michael Malice who kind of advocate for like sort of a controlled anarchy. He would express it better than I can, but where it's basically just kind of getting the government out of the way and just letting people make their own decisions, which I can sympathize with, but that's not going to lead you down a path towards a better society. It just simply isn't. Well, I think what we just talked about was a, a good uh, example of when people are just given liberty 
and they don't have anybody that they fear, um, revere, honor that's bigger than themselves, mm -hmm. whose rules they'll say that they're going to listen to, they turn into freaking nutcases. They do. And, uh, you know, we're always kind of like <clears throat> just a couple of mandates or a couple of impositions away from some kind of crazy tyranny or complete anarchy. And nothing has revealed that like the last couple of years in America, mm -hmm. but not to mention humans always want to control each other. So you have people that are like, um, yeah. truth is relative. You can be whatever you want. You can wake up tomorrow and you can be as, as white as Scott and say that you're a black female. You can get braids. Like you can be a, a, a woman today and a man tomorrow. And then the next day, maybe a dolphin. And then the next day, maybe a cat dog. You can change whatever you want, cat be whatever dog. you want. And, uh, and then they're like, but you should wear a mask because <laughs> the people in DC said so. So they pick and choose. Oh yeah, you know 1, what they want to be, what they want to be uh, 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 tyrannical about or have rules with. So human beings, we were made to, to I think we were made to have like uh, guardrails on our behavior because when we don't, we we sleep with dolphins <laughs> and we. <laughs> And we call black men white supremacists. You know what I mean? Like we just we just go insane. And when we don't have any guardrails, we don't have any morale. We don't have a, a, like a moral code that guides us and leads us all through life. That's why truth can be relative to you and then to you, to you, to you. Like at the first time I heard what relativism was, I was like, that makes absolutely no sense because then there's no rules in society. No, there's no rules in the universe. Gravity doesn't exist. You know what I mean? It's like that. Yeah, complete complete liberty is just. A world free from guilt and shame where you don't have to acknowledge yeah. that what you're doing is a sin, right? Yep. And, and and you don't even have to use sin in a religious context. You could just be doing something that's going to be harmful to others and would violate basic moral strictures that anybody shares. Mm -hmm. Like, So when you think about liberty, what they're essentially telling you is, you know, you kind of have a right to pursue your own happiness. Mm -hmm. You should have a level playing field on which to operate to where things aren't unfairly stacked against you. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't have a government like cramming things down your throat and throwing you in jail if you don't worship the king or whatever. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, it's up to you to be moral and to make good decisions with that freedom because it gives you a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody's gotten so used to being free in this country that they've kind of abdicated that responsibility. And they've also, mm -hmm. they've also gotten a little greedy, a little power hungry. Yep. You know, it's like, well, I don't want just liberty because I'm not rich and they are. And I want what they have. So clearly things are stacked against me. So now I'm going to create institutional power so that I can take it. It's humanism. And so that's the problem is, is in a, in a society that's, that's free, it kind of requires you to have a better, a higher level of justice, uh, a better code of ethics. And I think that requires a religious foundation. Also, um, people, I think when they think of liberty, they think of it like America, man, cheeseburgers, bro. We can do whatever we want. You can be, be, do, and say whatever you want. And like, okay, I guess in theory, but they're not thinking in the context of all of human history. Like people left to their own devices. Like what is it? You and I were talking about Marcus Aurelius uh, mm -hmm. the other week. It's just like, he was like, yes, I've stopped diddling little boys. He's like one of those most smartest men. He was men talking about his, his father. Oh, yeah. he's talking about his mm -hmm. father. Sorry. Sorry, Marcus. Uh, his dad stopped was like trying to stop diddling little boys. That was his struggle in life. Mm -hmm. uh, then you have like people in like gall humping bushes, like people, <laughs> human beings, literal bushes. Yeah, human beings like they worship trees and sacrifice people for their gods. Like human beings without like a moral code, it it it's, we're a hot mess. And so like, well, I don't murder anybody. Like 
that's your standard? This How is low where, is that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and this is where I tend to diverge with libertarians a lot, or like the anarcho-capitalists and all these sorts of like uh, voluntarists and stuff, is I actually sympathize with most of their positions philosophically in terms of how a, a citizen should be treated and perceived by their government, essentially as the highest order unit, right? They have the most say, they have the most authority. They're the reason the government exists, mm-hmm. is to protect us and our freedom. However, um, where I diverge in opinion strongly with these libertarians and whatnot is that they essentially have no morality behind what they believe. Yeah. And they're inconsistent, mm-hmm. wildly inconsistent. I've had this discussion with people before where one of the primary functions of libertarians is uh, the NAP or NAP, non-aggression principle, mm-hmm. right? It's sort of their basis for like do no harm or no violence against yeah. people, don't steal their stuff, et cetera, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically like a, you know, do unto others kind of a rule, golden mm-hmm. rule. The problem is, is they can't even agree on what that means. If you get like two to three to 10 libertarians in a room and you ask them, what does NAP represent? One might say you can't have the death penalty. That would be a violation. Another might say it's okay. You can't have abortion. One might say the other would say it's fine. Yeah. And so they can't even agree on what it means to not aggress another individual. They can't be unified in their messaging because by and large, most of them don't have a religious foundation upon which they base their moral code. Right. And so if you don't have a religious foundation, if you don't have a God telling you like what is and what is not murder, then aggression is entirely arbitrary. Mm -hmm. So you can't depend on libertarians to formulate your ethics for you because they don't have ethics. They simply have this idea of being left alone. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens when you leave people with no ethics alone? They hunt bushes. They hunt bushes and they raid towns and they burn down gas stations. And they eat their and babies. We live in Mad Max. Now, I'm not <laughs> saying that every libertarian I know, and I know some great libertarians right. would go out there and hunt bushes, but listen, bro, some of your friends would legit, they would hunt bushes and you know it. Don't judge me. You and I both know some of your libertarian friends would hunt bushes. The prickly kind. Whatever kind they can get their dinglies on. <laughs> anyway. So that's, that's my, that's, that's my, that's how I see liberty. Liberty to me is responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's not freedom from consequence. It's not a life without shame or without any kind of government imposition. It's a world in which you've been given enough freedom and latitude that now you actually have to like step it up. Right. And I think that a lot of people don't understand that and they aren't taught that when they're younger. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we're all retarded right now. Hong Kong clown world. I like eggs. <laughs> so. Um, our last topic before we, uh, start bringing in our special guest is, uh, Fauci, Mr. Ouchie Fauci. Fire Fauci. If only he's part of the cathedral. He's not going anywhere, but, um, he lied. He lied under oath and Rand Paul basically got him dead to rights. Something like what, like 900 pages of documentation showing that he funded gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute. Well, he had an email that had that in the title <laughs> in, or in the subjects. It's like, bruh, he, well, didn't, just, even, he didn't even hide it. It just goes to show you how far <laughs> we've fallen as a society that like the entire news media apparatus is either ignoring it or trying to like cover it up. I'm more upset that our crooks aren't even that good of crooks. Like they in suck. comics, in comics, like Batman has to do a lot to catch whoever. And it's like, oh, I had to piece all this together. It takes a genius to catch a genius. Yeah. Now we're like, oh, let's look at his emails. Oh, there it is. It's in the subject line. Like where's the Jokers <laughs> and the Lex Luthers and like the, you know, the, I don't know, just 
We're the supervillains. You gotta be a crook. Be a good one, darling. Yeah, it? like we need a better class of criminal, folks. I, know. I, I should be a criminal because I'd be. A, I would be better than that. Well, the fact that the fact that Fauci, that little like pseudo Italian weasel who is transparently, obviously sucking up to some kind of super state and is is getting money from China and funding this horrible research, which has inflicted God knows how much pain and suffering upon the Western world. Mm-hmm. And everybody's just like, oh, Fauci's my hero. Get the ouchie Fauci. Like, I would totally flirt with Fauci. Like, these people wouldn't make it in Batman's Gotham. Would you make out with Fauci? Oh, they just God, wouldn't. Girl, yes. Have you seen him? I would just bend down and kiss him. Mm. Right on the forehead. Bend down. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to understand. Oh, explain it to explain it the the story. All Dylan. right. Well, a couple of the a couple of the people are asking. Explain questions. it fast, baby. Essentially, um, uh, Fauci was interrogated by Rand Paul during congressional hearings, and uh, a lot of evidence was gathered, and it was determined that he did in fact lie under oath about um, funding gain of fun- function research, which is for those of you who are not dorks and read a bunch of research papers is essentially making viruses super powerful so that they can operate in humans and become more infectious. And that's what essentially our government under Fauci's directives was um, funneling money to the Wuhan Institute to specifically study that. Now, this research isn't purely nefarious in function. It's, it can also be used to help us understand um, infectiousness and to, to help us develop a, a defenses, uh, immuno- immunology and that sort of thing. But in this case, it looks pretty cut and dry that he lied under oath to hide the fact that he did it, even after bantering with Ron Paul, you know, and, and, and saying, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not a scientist, blah, blah, blah. Uh, fr- frankly, so, so it's, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's pretty bad. Like it's the kind of thing where if we lived in a little bit older of a world, Fauci'd already have been dangling from a helicopter by now by a rope. Beheaded. I mean, at the very least, I would assume. Yeah. But in, in our world, he'll he's considered the sexiest man alive. He gets magazine covers and he'll land on a golden parachute and he'll never suffer the consequences of what he's done. To be honest, like 100% truthful, there is something that kind of sexy about him. What? Do tell. Uh, yeah. Uh, his. Uh, and then there there's the. Uh, yes. I, I'm really also, intrigued. the uh, not nothing. You can't come up with anything. I think can you? if you, I think, I think if you have a thing for leprechauns, <laughs> Italian leprechauns, maybe somebody meme this. I want some leprechaun in the hood memes, but I want Fauci's face in that leprechaun mm. <laughs> <laughs> with some spaghetti on the side. Spaghetti because he's Italian. Italian leprechauns. Somebody, if you can make that work in a meme, I will put it in the I will comment post it section. All over the place. Well, we've—it's uh, about that time to invite our special guest onto the show. Yes. Why don't you go ahead and announce him, darling? I think you should. You think I should? I think I'm you should, because this is technically your friend now. I think you stole him from me. I had one conversation with the guy, and now we're friends. Well, he's, he's never talked to me, so <laughs> whatever. Me and my bestie are going to talk on the show, and you can just sit there. <laughs> mm. John Arthur Ryan, we're going to invite him into the chat. Let's pull him up. Our special guest, how are we doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? Excellent. I'm doing good. She's, good to have you on. I'm excited. So go, ahead. I, go ahead. I could have sworn I've had conversations with both of you, just, just to clear the record there. 
Well, we didn't have an hour-long conversation, so whatever. She's just jelly. <laughs> Maybe hey, we're a Cromwell fan. Hey, exactly. <laughs> so go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to the audience who don't know who you are, and we'll get that out of the way, and then we'll get to the discussion. All right, awesome. Uh, well, my name's Arthur. Um, I go under the handle John Arthur Ryan on Instagram, and the reason for that is uh, around the time of the election last year, Facebook completely nuked my accounts along with probably tens of thousands of others. So, um, yeah. So my actual name is Arthur Clarou. I was an editor for, uh, being libertarian for many years and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a time that we find ourselves in right now. Like you could see it coming for probably the last five, six, seven years, at least, Mm-hmm. slowly building up slowly you start noticing things and seeing things that are wrong and you start trying to call them out and then it just kind of like is exponentially growing and and i think that's where we're at now so mm-hmm. it's a glad well, after, after all that have crap, conversation. I talked about libertarians i just want to let you know. <laughs> i wasn't you i was thinking about when it came to humping bushes just want to make that okay. clear yes it was because <laughs> okay, cool. i swear <laughs> We talked about it before the show. He thinks you hunt bushes. <laughs> Apparently, it's a libertarian thing. We have right. a bet going. <laughs> Listen, maybe, well, maybe maybe you can resolve this for me. I, I, it, before we get to the main topic, when it comes to the NAP, NAP, non-aggression mm-hmm. principle, how would you define it as a as a? Are you ex-libertarian? So I I would consider myself a bad libertarian. I'm not. It's not that I'm against libertarianism at all. Um, it's it's a great kind of foundational a way of looking at things. Um, but yeah, one thing you were spot on with, with that whole conversation of, if you ask 10 libertarians, you're gonna get 10 different answers. Uh, I guess they're like economists in that way, but, Mm -hmm. um, the NAP. So my, my definition of that would be, I get, do no harm. Yeah. That's a pretty good definition. The thing is that when it comes to aggression, if someone punches you, you punch back. So then it's justified. So essentially, if someone goes pillaging and rage, you know, raiding towns or whatever it is, they've aggressed or they've, you know, broken the NAP and therefore, I guess all holds or, you know, all bets are off and, and they're fair game. What about something like abortion? Where would that fall under that standard? Yeah. And this is this is where you're going to get a huge divide. The, the funny thing about libertarians is you have right leaning libertarians or I guess people who would pretty much fall within the conservative spectrum or what would you consider that? And left-leaning libertarians, which are essentially just leftists, but they kind of unite around, well, at least let's not hurt anybody or, you know, at least let's See, try to be hands off. That? Didn't I tell you that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of libertarians to me just seem like leftists in disguise. A lot of them are, especially yeah. now that a lot, like there's been this kind of move through, I mean, we had that long march of the institutions for the last 70 years, but even just recently, the last few years has been this massive move of people from universities into institutions all over the world, including libertarian institutions and they've all been very you know uh focused on critical theory very you know leftist in that way so there has been kind of a usurpation of of all that they're everywhere it's like a disease they're like locusts cancer well i mean according to james Lindsay, who's done studies on this they call themselves a virus so this is their this is their modus operandi Dear God. They're just they're just not even good criminals. They just like they tell you their their motive and their intent and then they go and commit the crime and everyone's like, no, oh, didn't see any crimes. But didn't you know happen. why? You know why they do it? Because it's like San Francisco. You can just walk into the CVS and go shopping and don't pay for anything and walk out and no one's gonna do uh, anything. As long as it's under five hundred dollars, okay. But still actually nine hundred? I think it's nine hundred. I 900? think it's nine hundred. Yeah, but still, what I'm saying is is that they know they can get away with it. They don't have to hide it, they don't have to be smart. 
Yeah, that's true. Well, thanks for clearing that up, man. I, that, that's something I've always wanted to ask, like a legit libertarian, not like a hobbyist libertarian. Um, <laughs> but the reason we wanted to have you on the show is, is that you have some really interesting insights and you've got a noggin full of information about history and whatnot. Um, and we want to discuss the concept of um, revolution. And uh, it's a scary topic. It's a touchy topic because merely mentioning things like civil war starts to make the FBI prick up a little bit, mm -hmm. but it has to be discussed because the level of overreach, the level of federal overreach, the, the sheer balkanization is insane to me. And I honestly have a hard time imagining a future that didn't involve some kind of massive civil unrest, given how hard our governments are pushing against us. I mean, Australia to me at this point is a third world country. It's an entire country that is in lockdown and the way they treat their citizens is beyond the pale to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so and so the west entirely is going down a really dangerous path and so I think everybody in their heart whether they want to talk about it out loud or not is at a point where they're like if enough people stood up all of a sudden and started, you know, playing flutes and banging drums and marching, they'd be right along with them. On the other hand, there's a lot of people who are like, shh, don't discuss that because then the FBI is going to come to your house and black bag you, which means that they agree. And so the fact that I'm starting to hear this kind of talk from liberals, like some of my liberal neighbors are starting to question the the what's going on, starting to wonder if someone's going to push back. And deeply, they're very liberal. They're and, and this deeply concerns me. So, I mean, we're in a cold civil war as it is. The question I wanted to ask you and I wanted to discuss all three of us was how do we keep it from going hot? Mm. So that's a good question. It's a very, very good question. It's, it's a tough one too, because what we're essentially in right now, there's two things actually that we're in right now. One is culturally, there's basically uh, what, what you have when you have a marriage that's completely falling apart, right? You have a wife that absolutely loathes her husband. She thinks she, he's deplorable and you have a husband Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, these people will never, or they're having a very difficult time seeing eye to eye. And it's one thing to take two individuals, bring them to counseling and try to fix that. Even then, usually that doesn't work. And it's a whole other thing to try to do this on a society wide level. And I don't know if it's ever been done in history, to be really honest with you. Now, that doesn't mean that all is doom and gloom. But I think what we need to understand too, before we really get into it is where this starts and where, where, you know, where it's coming from, because this is a Western worldwide problem. And unfortunately, as much as people on the left would hate to admit this, where the Western world goes, and especially where America goes, the rest of the world will follow. Yeah. So it's, um, well, it's you know, we, have, we, we have, we have, we have statutes, we have precedent in place for all of this. Our forefathers, thankfully, gave this stuff a lot of thought and they wrote it all down. You know, we were told that it, we were supposed to pursue all of these peaceful methods, you know, petitioning the government, being able to file lawsuits, being able to uh, win elections, mm -hmm. you know, being able to take positions of authority that would have an impact on the culture and, and, and on policy. But the problem is now, that I'm seeing is that not enough people on the right wing are taking initiative and getting involved politically. They're so concerned with their livelihoods or with their family or just kind of staying out of the fight that they've essentially ceded the territory. And so you have leftist activists, liberals, longtime parasites, bureaucratic ticks 
that are occupying all of these like city council positions, school board members, and they've been operating with impunity for decades at this point. So now you have like the situation in Ohio where like, I think it was, I'm not sure it was the mayor or the governor sat down and demanded that like an entire school board resign or they would be charged for like distributing child pornography. Mm -hmm. But how did we get to that point where it was so bad that these school board members could operate like that fearlessly knowing that nothing would happen. And this is like the first time they're being brought up and kind of taken to the mat. So, you know, taken to the carpet, but I, I don't know it to, to me, it just seems like not enough of us are doing anything. What's your take on it? Mm. Well, I actually, when we were talking about this earlier, it reminded me of a few quotes from some pretty great guys in the past and history of the United States. One of which is Teddy Roosevelt. And he said, the things that will destroy America are prosperity at any price peace at any price, mm -hmm. safety first instead of duty first, mm -hmm. the love of soft living and the get rich quick theory of life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm not going to get into it too much here, but if you go and look up any quotes from Samuel Adams, the guy's a firebrand. If you read through those and you'll be, you'll be ready to go. I love it. Yeah. But he's like, they did foresee a lot of this sort of stuff. Um, and really, I, I can't say anything better than that. That really is the reason I think. We're, we want to be safe. We don't want to risk our treasure and our blood and our lives and, you know, our comfort for what's really true and what's important. Mm. Yeah, we had a, we had a sort of a, a meeting of the minds and these have been happening more and more lately with other concerned citizens. And, you know, we all have different belief systems. Some of us religious, some of us not, some of us are a little bit more on like the center liberal type. And some of us are hardcore conservative Christians and everybody had the same message. It was like, we need to do something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, the word uprising was bandied about. The term rise up was used more than once or twice. I mean, this is some scary language. And if you're hearing this from like your everyday do -do doots and business owners in a place like where we live, I guarantee you it's happening in other places all over the country and all over the Western world. So we have these mechanisms in place with our government to help us prevent the necessity for bloody civil war or to overthrow a capricious and arbitrary and power mad government. But I, I, I just think that people need some specifics on mm -hmm. how to channel their anger and frustration and fear. Otherwise they're just going to be sitting there like doom scrolling on their phone all the time. And then just gradually either going psychotic to where they break out and they do something dangerous and terrible or they basically kill themselves with pills because they don't know how to deal with the stress. Like what would yeah. you say is a valid path forward? Yeah, that's so there's a channel on YouTube called Academy of ideas. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. I have. Okay. Awesome. And they released a video recently about how to escape from, I believe it was an unfree world or something like that. Basically how to get away from totalitarianism. And I thought it was great because it brought up three really distinct ways that people cope with this sort of stuff. One was the step back uh, approach, which is you hide your, your head in the sand, you go sit in front of a screen, you take whatever drug or escapism you need to forget about what's going on, and you hope it doesn't touch you. And that never works, because as we know, totalitarianism, in every single instance, it's been, you know, every, every single iteration eventually comes for everyone. It's not going to leave you alone. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the yeah. indictment of Alexander Solzhenitsyn in the Gulag Archipelago. He essentially indicts himself and the entire Soviet society as essentially sticking their heads in the sand and not loving freedom enough to actually stop um, the danger as it was approaching. Exactly. And, and it's a little 
telling that he had that that opinion because as far as we're concerned, we've had plenty of warning. They were the one of the first times communism ever came to be, right? They were the first time this thing was rolled out in real time. Um, so it's it's really, you know, you can kind of give them a pass. We don't have that uh, excuse at all. We've, we've seen this now for a hundred years. In fact, we thought it was dead and somehow it's managed to make its way into every single one of our Western institutions. If anything, just proven how resilient communism is. It's like a cockroach. You think you spray it, it flips over, it gives it a couple twitches and then it just lays there and you're like, oh good. And then you flush it down the toilet and you're like, be gone. And then that sucker shows up like four times as large 20 years later and it's got pink hair and it's like, say my pronouns, bitch. <laughs> right? It's up there yelling like, that yeah, wasn't real communism. And it tries again. <laughs> Never been tried. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I remember you spraying me, you son of a <laughs> Exactly. The other problem is, is that it comes in different forms. Like it, it'll come like it was a cockroach at one point and then it comes as like a rat. And then it and then it switches into like a cute little squirrel. And then there's that giant thing that that video. I don't know if you've seen it. That giant thing that came out of the lake and tried to try to drag off a dog. Like it comes to different forms. So at first it was like a, it's like a wombat. It was, a, it was like a it was a Russian. It was like a Chinese. And then now it's like Ibram X Kendi and right. that chicken that you sit beside in uh, in your class. Like it just keeps coming in all these different forms, and it causes you racist, and it causes you bigoted, and it causes you all kinds of different names. To, to make you submit into to what it wants. So it's 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 like like if you're not paying attention, you're not history buffs like you two, like you'll fall for it because you're like, oh, that doesn't look like Chinese. That doesn't look like the the Red Guard. It must be fine. And it's the same it's the same same uh, mistakes. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well and and the um the interesting thing, this is not what I meant to talk about now, but if uh if I can plug one other thing here, Diana West's book uh, American Betrayal, great, great read, because what it kind of shows is where this all starts from, in the United States at least. And you get the sense that there is this sort of broader organization, and it, this sounds super woo-woo and conspiratorial, but it really just does show it factually. It's broader kind of organization of communist infiltrators and people who are pro-communist. And I can tell you from just straight up history books uh, that they recommend in universities still to this day, that there were many communists and socialists who were part of the EU, part of the IMF, part of starting the UN, all this sort of stuff. So there is a lot of that infiltration everywhere. And now I think we're just seeing them bring their vision to reality in the Western world the way they want it. Listen, you don't you don't have to like be all like, oh, disclaimer on this. It's a little conspiratorial. Like, I'm already a believer, dude. I think McCarthy didn't go hard enough. If I, anything, I agree. If anything, he should have held more hearings. Like I used, I grew up with this lie that like McCarthy era in America was like some kind of like totalitarian government overreach. And they're like, oh, they were so scared of the communists and they're all paranoid about nukes and this, that, and the other. Now that I've seen these suckers marching in my hometown and like attacking stuff and like hitting people and like burning buildings down, I'm like, oh, he clearly didn't go hard enough. And getting away with it. Yeah. Not like at all. We, we, we sprayed that sucker, we put it in the toilet and it came back in the form of Antifa. Mm-hmm. And you know what's you know what's crazy is that one of the motives, one of the ways they do this is they always blame people for exactly what they're doing. Yep. So they blame McCarthy for this overreach. That's exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And what I, they have now. 
I've, I've got it. It's like an iron rule of projection to me. The iron law of projection. Yeah. If you, if they are saying like, Oh, Trump's a, Trump's a totalitarian. He's going to do this, that, and the other. I'm like, they're just telling us what they're going to do once they get power Yep, every mm-hmm. single time. And then Biden comes to town. <laughs> yeah. you know, they do it with a, they do it with race too. So they'll look at Larry Elder. They'll look at me, uh, probably some folks who are watching this show and, and they'll call us white supremacists or they'll mm-hmm. say you're self-loathing. Um, and then, you know, they're overweight and, shaved half their head and but they're cute and they love themselves whatever like they hate themselves they ha- they think i'm stupid and i need their help because i'm black mm-hmm. so they are projecting and then they tell white conservatives and white uh or right-leaning people that they're looking down on the black people and and oh they're just your pets and your little monkeys it's like they don't that thought doesn't even come to their mind to call me a monkey and you just called me a monkey mm-hmm. and it, so given given all of this would what would you say is the appropriate time for civil disobedience, and what, if any, place does it have in this sort of path forward? Right. So here's here's the thing that I've been thinking for for quite a while because I've heard people talking about this for a long time. This has been now almost three years that I've heard rumors of of civil war, and while there may be a time, and and this is a Sam Adams thing as well. This may there may be a time where this comes, and you know, in the end, the the tree of liberty has to be watered once again. But I would I would venture to say we haven't tried everything yet. And I think that sometimes we kind of um, we glorify the thing that is in the abstract. You know, mm-hmm. we can go and we can have this big civil war and we're gonna be heroes and we're gonna fight, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with um with that per se, but the the thing is that there's all these little things we could be doing in our lives now that are more difficult. It's like the whole like, oh, you know, you say to your wife, I'll die for you. But then you won't put your socks in the laundry or you won't, you know, <laughs> clean your dish because those are here and now little things. Mm-hmm. But that's some abstract, wonderful thing that you, you know, believe you can do. And I'm not trying to put down anyone who who, who um, is feeling that way or feels betrayed or feels that, you know, you need that this is the only option because at some point it might be. And unfortunately, that's that's the place where, where we're headed. Mm-hmm. However, one other thing that that uh, I think could be done before then, and this specifically applies to business leaders in that that group of people, is um, to create a sort of parallel society. And that doesn't mean you step out and step away completely and just isolate yourself, but to create the systems and create the structures and create the institutions, create the things that people need, that people want to follow. Right now, you said people are there, they're there, they want to be take action, but there's no one really to step in behind. There's no one who's leading the charge. Nobody so wants waiting for someone to step up. To step out, yeah. Exactly. And the other options, I mean, you have hide and and uh, you know, try to avoid it. You have run away, go to another country and hope that it doesn't come to you. But when it's this global, it's eventually going to, you know, make it everywhere. Right. And then the third option is, well, no, you create such a free society that the act of your existence proves the lie of the totalitarians and brings them crumbling down eventually. And I think that's the option. I see. That's an interesting take. So you're essentially, again, I, I reiterate this a lot on the show, build your own towers, right? They have the cathedral, it's sometimes called, the ivory towers, the coastal elites. They kind of have all the institutions kind of captured, uh, academia, entertainment, government, et cetera. We basically have a mono party right now in the Congress, Senate, and the, the executive office. But I always advocate, all right, we'll just build competing institutions. And yes, that's not easy, obviously, but somehow we can't get it through our thick heads that we need to do it. And uh, you know, this is like 
our show, for instance, our network, the Urban Conservative, is like a tiny little effort kind of like to push in that direction, you know, and we're always asking for help and trying to encourage people to do things similarly. Now, what you're talking about, on the other hand, sounds almost utopian. Like, can you clarify that a little bit for the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So what it really means, what it really comes down to is let's find the things we can do. Um, we don't need to be imagining utopian responses, but each one of us has things we can do. We can create community around us. We can go to our school boards. We can, um, I heard something about, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, somewhere in the United States, in the United States, there's some sort of structure in place where you can go with enough people of, in your community and depose essentially an elected sheriff or an elected representative. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but apparently uh, a lot of states have that. Yeah. For the audience's sake, he is a Canadian citizen. He's located in Toronto, correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. <laughs> but um, honestly, I, I am not familiar with I don't know what law that. you're describing. And honestly, I think that would depend on the municipality that you're talking about. There probably are some laws in the books about like if the, if the sheriff is determined corrupt by a quorum or whatever, you can officially take their star or something like that. Maybe it's something mm -hmm. like a recall. Yeah, like something kind of like, like a recall because these are these are people who are voted in uh, the same mm -hmm. way any politician. So my guess is, is it's probably kind of like a recall type initiative, but let's be real based on how Larry Elder did in California. If we had a corrupt sheriff in like a blue town and everybody wanted to recall him, it'd probably go the same direction, honestly. So could be. Yeah. But I mean, in the end, really it's, it's like this. So there's right now there's every incentive for elected officials and politicians to do the wrong thing in our, in our opinion, at least mm -hmm. uh, the money's there, the popularity is there, the media is there, everyone's on their side. If they go that direction. Um, I really think it's a case where we need more than just one, one pronged attack, let's say, but essentially politically stop voting for people who are rhinos, stop voting for people who are joining in, in the tyranny, start primarying those people, start getting good people in, but that's just one side of it. We need to start setting up businesses. We need to start putting our money where our mouth is. We need to start, um, funding organizations for arts and culture because mm -hmm. that's the big thing right now what they own is education art culture media and really politics is downstream of that yeah so if we're starting a politics trying to change what's already you know already been set for decades in a lot of people's lives we're way too late to the game so i know there's a lot of people for example there's uh nick cersei who's an actor he's starting a studio or he's already started the studio to make films that are pro-america there's uh, a woman named Kay clarity who you can find on linkedin she's amazing she's setting up a place for artists to uh kind of work together so they're not dependent on uh the gatekeepers in in hollywood or in the music industry and they can actually get good quality content out there and be free of that um Daily Wire and Gina Carano teaming up. Sure, kind of yeah. Movies. And and the and I think one of the biggest things is you can't let um, Ben Shapiro doing a good thing be the only thing that gets done. Right. I think a lot of times you go and you see like, okay, yeah, well, he's got it. We're good. All right, we'll move along. We'll just go back to our daily lives and wait for that to fix the, the world. But no, each of us has things around us that we can be doing. Mm -hmm. And I think as un... Um, how do you say that? As unglamorous as that is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is well, the thing. Well, you know, we, you, you, you and I discussed something privately, which is why Z was all jelly because we had like a nice long conversation, you know, and she wasn't invited. Um, <laughs> we were discussing actual tangible means of achieving some of these things. You, you, you had this really cool concept for basically like a, 
pro-Western civilization, conservative value, kind of liberty-oriented piggy bank for businesses. Can you kind of go into detail on what you had in mind? Sure. Yeah. Well, I had two things that I'm personally working on. Um, One of them is exactly that. So it's a concept called Civ West, and it's a company. And essentially what it would be doing would be you can go there, you can see what projects are being looked at, what uh, is being created, whether it's communities um, uh, overseas or at home, whether it's businesses, whether it's new media, whether it's movies, whatever it is that's going to be pushing or at least pro-Western in some way or another, pro-wholesome content, uh, whatever it is, as long it's just cutting out that um, that toxicity that we get so often from Netflix and these sorts of things. The agenda agenda driven topic of the day sort of infused everything. Exactly. And basically the idea was right now, like you said earlier, we have so many different people wanting to do something, all of us included in this conversation and probably most of the people watching, if not all. And again, we're waiting for people to step up and do these things. And there are some people stepping up, but it's a big world. And because media is still very, very controlled, we don't always hear about that sort of stuff or those Mm -hmm. sorts of people. So having somewhere you can go where you can not only find the people, but if you find a project that sparks your fancy, you can fund it. You can be a part of it. Maybe you can even take part in it, you know, share your skills. And in the end, these don't have to be, um, how would I say this? Like just a sort of charity thing because this is what you believe or a political thing like a donation. This is more of a, let's all get together. Let's get united. Let's get moving forward. Well, you, the way you described this concept to me of Civ West was that it would also be profitable, that this wouldn't just simply be, as you said, like trying to put, trying to have people make lead bullets for the muskets. You're actually trying to get people to invest in something that will be beneficial to them in terms of return. So exactly. you're not just you're not just funding things because it's got Jesus slapped on the label. You're actually trying to fund people who've got Jesus slapped on the label and they can sell something. Exactly. You know, this is this is kind of a, an interesting concept to me. And I, I think there's probably people out there who may do this kind of thing, but you know, it's always kind of like the Koch brothers, right? It's like, if it's anything that's like vaguely right wing that has money behind it, it's like, oh, it's Koch brothers money. Well, yeah, you know what? We need more of that. We need yeah. lots more of that. We need all kinds of Koch brothers out there. And I like this idea of Civ West because I think the people behind it, namely you, actually have the right ideas. Well, and the, and the great thing about it is exactly that. This is a place where if you're someone who's starving for good content, you can go there and you can find it. If you're someone who's looking for an investment, to make some money on a good thing, you can go there. If you're someone who wants to start a business, if you're entrepreneurial, basically it's just, we need to give the tools to the people who want to pick them up and go and get to work. So for you, this is kind of, um, in terms of answering the question of the path forward and going like the context of a potential civil war and, and, and curtailing it, mm-hmm. you want to, you want to infiltrate the culture the way that the left has by building your own towers, by building your own, um, ways of getting into the culture, getting into people's minds, and helping to nurture young people to become more civically minded, more freedom oriented, liberty loving types. Is that correct? That's correct. So there's there's two parts to this. One is you need to have accurate information, right? And that's one thing that's super difficult right now because there's so much information flowing around and uh, a lot of it is controlled. And really a lot of it is just marketing in the end of it. We live in a really corporate society right now. Everything's becoming very corporatized, including information. So one thing that I was that I'm working to the other thing is a research organization, which is going to check political narrative, just basically doing all the research on climate change, COVID, whatever it is, so you can have an actual uh, fact based 
uh, understanding of what's going on and you can make your decisions from there. Um, that I think is step one. Step two is Seb West, which is this concept of exactly that. What is it that you feel like you need to do? How can we help you get it done? Come here and let's get going. That's, that's the basic idea. I like it. I, yeah, I love it. And I, you know, I think this is something that not just lip service, but I think you should actually get in touch with the guys that we work with and then have them get in touch with more people to develop these concepts because I think this stuff is critically important to Yeah, we can make that connection. Yeah. Great. Um, final question for you. Uh, you know, this is for everybody, but you know, I mentioned this to you before Z and I are Christians, right? We're very, very religious folks. And, um, we have a duty to our God to be obedient. And history is replete with examples of like God's chosen people basically being cast into exile or into the lion's den and so forth. And usually it's as a result for them turning their face away from God or, or worshiping other gods or siding with the enemy and that sort of thing. And when I look around right now, I see an entire society who just like, you know, Obama, you know, say the only thing we have in common is, is, is the government. And they don't say in God we trust anymore, the Democratic National Conventions and so forth. I see an entire society that has decided to worship government. Well, maybe God will choose, as he did in the Bible, an agent like China who makes its people worship its government. And he's like, maybe it's his way of kind of giving us the middle finger. Like, you want to go worship a government here? I'll send you a guy, a guy that you know thinks he's God and he's going to dominate your society. I don't know. But that seems to be the history of the scriptures. So for us, we're in a pickle where we want to fight back. But how do you do that righteously? How do you know you're right? How do you do it in the right way? I was actually going to ask that same question. Yeah. What would you think? What is, what is your opinion, man? I think that's that comes back to kind of the same place where I'm at with these ideas with hoping that other people pick up and do the exact same thing or do other things as well. Because I think once you've exhausted every possible outlet, then you really only have one more choice, but I don't think it's worth jumping the gun. And I have a feeling from a lot of different conversations I've had and just watching people that more people than we would think are not, uh, are not really into this whole totalitarian thing, more liberals than we would expect, more leftists even, even some hardcore Marxists, those original Marxists who mm-hmm. got into Marxism because it was, in their opinion, the way of helping you know, people who were downtrodden or needed help. Mo- there are a lot of people who are not on board with this. And mm-hmm. I really think that if we, can, if we can find a rallying point and that's the tough part because conservative conservatism by nature is not uh, a values-driven um, political philosophy. It's not something that, hey, we're going to make this happen, so we're going to be conservatives. It's usually a defensive position to begin with, right? Right. Um, so that might be a tough one. But if we can find the values, the right values to rally around, I think most people will, will be on board with that because I don't think a lot of people want this. I mean, definitely not the totalitarian stuff that's coming down the pipe with uh, with COVID response uh, or any of this sort of stuff. So, well, great. Well, final question for you before we let you go: um, What is your line in the sand? Um, I like to ask people this lately, and I know it's a tough question. It's a very tough question because a lot of people are like, "Oh crap, this is going to be me on the internet." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm drawing laughs> because now it's like, well, when it gets crossed, I actually have to do something. Yeah. What is what is your pick up the musket moment 
And I mean specifically, like what policy would have to be enacted, what freedom would have to be violated, what actions would have to be taken against you or yours or your country, whatever. What is the specific line in the sand for you where you're like, enough is enough, let's roll? So I see it like this. I think that first we try to exhaust every possible option within the community, within the society, right? Right. If that fails, we kind of pull back. In the meantime, while we're doing that, we need to be building communities. We need to be protecting the ones that exist, Texas, Florida, other places like that. We need to make sure those stay as bastions of freedom. We're building communities. If that fails, we pull back into those communities and... For example, I'll make a Canadian example, and I apologize to the American audience. In Canada, there's a province in the West that's called the Texas of Canada because they buy the second most trucks in North America. They're all about farming and oil. Alberta? Alberta. And um, and then that's where I'm, I'm actually from. But uh, they have a very strong separatist movement for many reasons that I won't get into right now. But they are very conservative. They're very Christian. And they feel very strongly that, you know, if if things keep going this way, they're going to step back and they're just going to have their own little piece of heaven and mm-hmm. just cut themselves off. So, so I think that's the step back kind of concept. If all else fails, you step back into these communities. And at that moment, when someone decides to cross that line, that's when you stand up and fight. Now, maybe that's too late. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a military strategist, um, and maybe that's not a good strategy. But for me, in my mind, the way in my relationship with God, I feel like that would be the right thing to do. You've given them every opportunity to stop, and you've done everything you can to not go here. That's a well-thought-out answer. Um, I'll take it. Well, great, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I hate to see you go. We, we'll probably have to have you come on again sometime, right? Yeah, Z? for sure. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, we have to continue on with our segments on schedule. So we're going to say goodbye. Uh, thank you so much for appearing on Two Americas, man. Hopefully, we'll get to have you back. And I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Same. It was awesome talking with both you guys. And uh, we'll, we'll have to do it again for sure. Have Absolutely. a good one. Whew. Excellent. Tough topic. You know what? His his answer is very uh, founding father like. Right. Like when you look at the the history of this nation, like when they, before they went to war, they were like, please, 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 just do what we ask. I mean, please, just do what we ask. Yeah, people don't people don't realize like unless you read like a retarded amount of history and watch a bunch of documentaries and really get hip deep in the stuff, like the founding fathers bent over backwards to avoid war with Britain. They did, and. There was all kinds of reasons for both sides to be pissy at the other, right? You know, England legitimately had a beef. They were like, listen, we just came over here and helped you with this war. We financed it all and you're not going to give us any money. Well, fine. We're going to tax you for it, right? But the American colonists were like, well, screw you. Like, that's not fair. We don't want to pay all this money and be, you know, put over a barrel and not have any representation in parliament, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, the two just back and forth until inevitably war happens, right? I mean, things are so much worse right now. In terms of they're, they're pretty bad. The they're impositions bad. on freedom and the tyranny and, and the way people are treating each other and the way that the institutions have been captured. I mean, it is overwhelming. So our patience, as Biden said, is wearing thin. Mm-hmm. The question is, is what are we going to do when it snaps? And I sincerely hope that most Americans will do something that is wise mm-hmm. and also righteous because while you may feel justified you going postal is not going to serve anyone, especially not yourself. In fact, it may serve the wrong people. And 
And we have to be strategic strategic about it. I mean, look right. at some of the folks January 6th. I don't even think they were, some of them uh, weren't trying to be, I think like 99.99% of them weren't trying to be violent, but they just walked into the Capitol and there's two guys that uh, just went live uh, on, on social media and they're, they're getting like 20, 25 years and they don't have anybody uh, watching their back. I mean, that's, at all. Poli- that's, that's political. You know? Obviously, but I'm, I'm yeah. just saying like, if, so if we are going to do something, it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be strategic. It can't just be kamikaze. I'm pissy. So I'm just going to go chop off heads. Like it, it can't be that way. It's, it's, it's gotta be done. Like, as he said, in a way that we would feel like we're right with God. Yeah. So anyway, exhaust your options folks. And that means actually putting in the work, putting in the time you gotta, you gotta run for positions in city council. You gotta try and influence the kids lives and the culture. You gotta produce great art. I would even say like your, your family being healthy, yeah, being in in the right heart, the the hierarchy is right. Like all of those types of things, like it's doesn't seem important, but like healthy families, healthy, healthy communities, healthy States, healthy nation. Like, that's the way it's going to be done. And a lot of these people do things like do are, are corrupt because they, they weren't raised correctly or uh, they were raised that power and money is everything. Mm-hmm. Or so, and then some of these like Antifa folks, they're like on all kinds of you know uh, mental medication SSRIs because mommy and daddy and, doesn't love them, you know, like, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, you got a bunch of kids on antidepressants running around LARPing revolutionary, but they're useful idiots. They, they serve their purpose. Um, so we got some segments for you before we start getting to the tail end of the show. I think because it's getting long, I think we should skip some of this. Well, what would you want to skip? I think we should skip that and save it. Okay. And then I should do my bit. Oh, you just want to get to your bit faster. I yes. think that's what this is about. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> <Subtle>. <laughs> we don't have to. Whatever you want, darling. I mean, I can be quick on the. Uh... Okay, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Go ahead and pull up that intro. Oh, yeah. If you don't know, now you know. Scotty knows how to kill people and how to, pre- how to teach people to protect themselves from being killed. This is. Ah, use of force. So Z has a little video that she's uh, saved for me that I gave her yesterday. Yes. And we're going to watch this and we're going to analyze and help you get a better sense of how to manage conflict in such a way that you don't get yourself gang beat. Let's take a look. Let's go ahead and review. Oh, no. So it seems to me that when we try to run these videos in the stream while the show is actually live, we lose our bandwidth or run to such a degree that we start getting this sort of choppy footage. Um, go ahead and stop it and restart it, and let's see if we can do it again, and we'll get to it. Uh, if not, I will discuss the concept, and we'll just narrate it and uh, go over the basic principles. But essentially, the video involves a gentleman overseas you have any luck can you pull it up want me to yeah i want to try this i don't want to interrupt you all right right, restart the video it seems like it's working now all right all right stop the video and let it buffer so what this uh shows so far for those of you who are what 
aren't watching and are just listening is that uh, a gentleman and what appears to be his significant other are walking down the street with their little white fluffy dog when a much bigger dog attacks and uh, bites their dog. That's the noise you're hearing. Well, the gentleman obviously is upset. His little dog just got attacked by a woman whose woman's dog who was, you know, being unattentive. She wasn't paying attention to her big dog. And so he goes over there to confront her. Immediately, the white knight intervenes and another gentleman steps well, in between brown. him. Well, it, the the brown guy is the victim here. He's the one with the dog who got oh, bit. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, white guy is the one who intervenes. White, white knight. White, white. So let's go ahead and press play again. All right. Well, while that's continuing to buffer, essentially the two of them continue to exchange words for uh, at least a good minute. Now, here's something that I want to preface about this entire scenario. There are no good people in this scenario. There are no good guys here. There are no innocents. There are no victims. There are simply two people who are walking down the street. One person was not paying attention to her dog and it bit another smaller dog. The dog didn't like that, made a few pain noises. They separated them. Okay. Hey, lady, you need to pay better attention to your dog. All right. That's a big dog. Could be dangerous. All right. And you move along. Entire situation diffused, right? Common sense, de-escalation, logic. However, nobody uses any of these tactics, which is why this situation escalates so terribly. Um, is there any way you can pull that up? Now, um, further along into this video, you start to see that a crowd starts to gather as these two men, Jack and then John, to each other. Now, this is the problem with conflict and ego battles. We get tunnel vision. We can only see what's directly in front of us. We can only see the threat in front of us. And we don't realize that a crowd is forming that is hostile to us. So this uh, Asian or Bengali or Indian guy, I can't really identify. It doesn't really matter. It's just for the sake of the purposes for the video. The one wearing the red shirt, he's holding a glass bottle in his right hand. Again, he's the one whose dog was initially bit. He's the one who went to confront the black woman whose larger dog bit his dog. The white knight intervened. They start jack jawing and they start having this discussion. The crowd starts forming. At some point, if the video would stink and work, is that this guy gets cold cocked by a complete stranger who just happens to be walking by. Because the white knight keeps reiterating, you were going to attack a woman, you were going to attack a woman, you were going to attack a woman. Everybody just hears that and instinctually they decide that this guy needs to be mobbed. Mm -hmm. So what happens? Well, guy in the red shirt loses his temper and he takes that glass bottle and he breaks it over white knight's face. And then things really start to go downhill. And at that point, he's starting to get mobbed by an entire group of people of various ethnicities, all on the basic premise that he was a woman beater and he was attacking a woman. And you can see the crowd form that chases him down the street and beats him to a pulp, mm -hmm. right? So a couple lessons to take away from this. Unfortunately, video is just not going to work for us. Go ahead and pause it, hon. When you have a situation that sets you off, gets you angry enough to where you want to get in someone else's faces, take a moment and realize that you now have tunnel vision. You can't see the threats around you coming. And while whatever kind of conflict you think may be justified, if it's an ego battle, it is not. That's why I say that there are no victims and there are no moral heroes in this story. Everybody here acts like a POS and everybody pretty much gets what they deserve, in my opinion. If you're going to go up there and you're going to confront a woman with no plan as to why or what you want to say or serve any real purpose, Right? Maybe she didn't. She, she clearly didn't realize that her dog was biting another dog. She was looking the other direction. Maybe she has no business owning that dog, but that's not really your decision. And you're not really going to change anything by confronting her unless it's just to inform her of what just happened and how she needs to be more careful in the future and then move along. Because again, the dog didn't look seriously injured. It looked like it just got scared and it got a little nip. 
that whole situation could have been avoided. However, he decided that he was so pissed off and he wanted to play the hero that it turned into a giant street fight. And he ended up hitting somebody with essentially what amounts to a deadly weapon. Right. And that's going to land you in jail. Mm -mm -mm. So now when it comes to the crowd, you walk by and it's something you have no idea what's going on. You have no context. You have no information. And all you hear is a guy saying, you're going to attack a woman. You're going to hit a woman, this, that, and the other. And you decide that you're going to get violent with a random individual because you believe the words of a random stranger that you've never met in a situation that you didn't see with no context. You're also a piece of dirt because you're the kind of person who enjoys mob violence. You're the kind of person who thinks that you can project your ego and your power and your frustrations and vent them on other people that you think are worthy with not enough information. This is why we don't allow mob rule. This is why we have justice. This is why we have a court system is because you get a bunch of people like this, like the guy who sucker punches the uh, Indian fellow from behind and from mm -hmm. the side based on the testimony of the white knight, right? Mm -hmm. So you, this is how mobs work. So again, there are no good people in this crowd. However, many of these guys who are chasing him down the street probably thought they were the good guys. Yep. We're getting after a wife beater. We're getting after a woman beater. Yep. Right. And so they're laying the beat down. Every single person in this scenario from the guy who gets the mob beat down after hitting the other dude with the glass bottle and everybody else who instigated the beating, every single person in this scenario should be in jail, including the woman who started it by not paying attention to her dog and it attacked another dog. Really? She should at very least get a ticket for that. All right. My dog got taken me for 10 days, put in quarantine. He was covered in sores. He wasn't fed properly and he was covered in his own feces and he was freaking out and losing his hair because they didn't take care of him properly in the summer in the pound because another dog attacked him and he turned around and tried to defend himself and nipped a woman in the hand. All right. So if we're going to apply that logic when it comes to dog safety and dog ownership, if your dog is attacking smaller dogs, then you should either A, have to go to obedience training or B, get a ticket, right? Not to mention the fact that she caused all this devastation and probably put some guy in the hospital. So everybody in this scenario, everybody in this scenario is immoral. Everybody in this scenario made poor choices. Everybody in this scenario did things that are tactically unsound when it comes to defending yourself. But there are lessons that you can draw from it. Don't get tunnel vision. Don't start fights that you don't intend to finish. And above all, if you start to see a crowd gather, do not zero in on the target in front of you. Get the hell out. That's my use of force for today. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for that quick use of force. All right. Get to your segment. <laughs> in other words, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I, I think, did we mention the Met Gala? Uh, we well, did was that not. before the show? Okay. So, so the Met Gala, I don't know who watched it. Um, I, I, I certainly didn't, but, um, the reason why I didn't watch it is because uh, the media didn't show this, but uh, the urban conservative family was there. Mm. I know that you wanted to keep it hidden because you didn't want to let everyone know you at a, a fashion event. And, you know, we've got the twins. who Listen, are both, you know, people think I'm poor. I got to be one of the people. Yeah. Know? I mean, maybe, but, you know, the, 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 you know, you got the twins who are super masculine and they can't, they wouldn't be caught dead, you know, at, <laughs> at a fashion show. But they I just don't appreciate it. I just, I got pictures. Um, and I think it's important that people, that people know our prestige. So Raheem uh, brought his, his wife, uh, Heather, mm. and she was gorgeous <laughs> at the, uh, very tasteful dress. Yeah. She I love the hair. Great. She looks good. <laughs> Um, and then I, I don't know, like we, we, we very rarely see, uh, David Hensley, oh. but he was there too. 
No kidding. Yep. Oh, <laughs> look at him. Simple yet simple yet tasteful. And yeah, elegant. very tasteful. I love the sneakers. Hmm. You look great. It almost looks like he's, uh, what, Elliot Page wear the same outfit? I don't know who that is. I just know that uh, hmm. that David looks great. Yeah, like the, the, the little flower is a nice touch. Yep, very nice touch. It's like it's like a little bit, like a pinch of feminism. Yeah. A pinch it's of almost, feminism. It's almost like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like understated. Yeah, it's David. Great job. And then we've got uh, Scott was there. Oh. I was so excited. Uh, oh, looked, wow. That's you just... look great. You know, I was <sighs> you didn't catch my good side. <laughs> I didn't take the picture. I didn't take the picture. Just, I'm just showing you what they got. Listen, I, I, I was in a debate about the puffy sleeves. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't sure about it. Audience, you tell me if they worked out or not. Honestly, not my favorite outfit. Uh, you know, of yours. Listen, listen, the cameras loved it. I like when it. you wear your no socks with your slip shoes more than these. Listen, don't talk about my chunkless. All right. <laughs> and uh, Adul was there, uh, chairman of Cabarrus County. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> he was very shiny. That's that's a suit of armor, Scott. Gosh. Listen, I. But his hair grew, and then it shrunk. So. Oh, I thought that was just a hair piece. No, that's his hair. <laughs> uh, and then I I don't know if Heather knows, but. Raheem took a date. Ooh. Yeah. Oof. He wore his grandma's quilt, so that's <sighs> nice. Well, Heather, his date listen. Is, his date is scary and beautiful. Yeah. I'm know, frightened. I, I'm not entirely sure what she was going for with the collar. It's kind of a Corella DeVille without the uh, puppy skin. She was frightened. And also, I'm friends with the uh, lady from Color Purple. I don't know if you knew that. Which one? Seely. Really? Gosh, yes. She let me borrow her outfit. So, <laughs> kind of looks like a frilly tent. Not gonna lie, it's not your best costume choice. Well, I was I was trying to hide my beautiful figure. I was gonna say it did a good job. I couldn't let AOC be jealous. So anyway, we were all at the Met Gala, and um, and those are our outfits that we wore. So thank you so much. <laughs> I had no idea that she uh, put together such great photoshops. Because I'm so busy. It's your hidden talent. I'm so busy. That I'm- <laughs> I was say, you have a day job, don't you? <laughs> I'm so busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I, That was good, babe. The Urban Conservative family, man. We are everywhere. That's why you should subscribe. Mm-hmm. It's a $10 a year subscription. Go to tuconservative.com. And send us to more Met Galas and things like that, and we will be sure to post the pictures of our outfits. And then you can see more of David Hensley's show, Clarence Henderson, Adul Ali, Rahim, and Z and myself on Two Americas. And, of course, we will always be looking for new talent, new shows, new content. We're going to have merchandise coming soon. Listen, folks, this is like pennies on the dollar if you divide it over time. $10 a year is nothing. nothing. And remember what John Arthur Ryan said. we got to build our own tower, so you need to support creators and content creators Word. like us. If you mm-hmm. care about this kind of thing, if you want to be a part of the fight, listen, some people want to get in front of the camera and run their mouths like we do. Not everybody wants that, and that's totally fair. But if you want to be in the fight, you got to support the fighters. Amen, right? brother. Also, um, every Friday, every last Friday, of every month, we do the Red Cup special. So the first episode, if you haven't seen it, you need to go on YouTube and, and check that out. Uh, it's fully, it's it's free. You can see the whole thing. From now on, though, you only get like about 30 minutes. You know, so you only get half the show for free. And the rest of it, mm, you, you can only hear it. Unless 
you have a subscription. So go ahead and subscribe and uh, you can get that behind the paywall content, which I'm super excited about because the last one was so fun. Mm -hmm. I drank entirely too much. Not entirely. I was a, I was jolly. You were, you were very jolly. I was jolly. I was, I was jolly because I was with my friends and I was jolly because I think we were drinking uh, White Street Culture. So, a dual? No, no, no. What we were drinking oh, first was squeeze. the first squeeze. Yep. Yeah, Raleigh Brewing Company. Now, a dual, on the other hand, drank entirely too much Dragon's Milk. Yeah, he was sucking that teat. <laughs> <laughs> he sucked that Dragon's teat dry. <laughs> oh my gosh! But yes, please, folks, if you haven't seen a Red Cup special, we've got one online. <laughs> it's a pre-recorded show. It has really funny edits. It, it, it'll crack you up. It's insane. It's pretty insane. Yeah, you get to see us with our guard down. So it, it's pretty hysterical. Also, I didn't see one wedding hashtag, and I'm pissy about it. Oh, no. That's why she's getting irritated. I'm irritated, and I don't understand why nobody wants to help me. Help me. Help you. Mm. Help me. Okay? Everyone knows that the wedding planning is all on the bride, and ain't nobody trying to help. Oh, really? All on the bride, huh? Yeah. Listen, I actually had to work today. So just because you had free time to do wedding planning today doesn't mean you do all of it by yourself. <laughs> Everybody knows. Okay. If you go to, okay, then we're going to end this because we're going long. But when you go to a wedding, you don't go, what in the devil was the groom thinking? You go, ooh, she don't know how to decorate. Mm, that's valid. It's on me. Well, on that note, folks, please. <laughs> Your best wedding inspired hashtag. It's a competition now, so be clever. Fire it our way. Maybe we'll put up a little poll tomorrow. Yeah, we we'll should. See what yeah. we can. Uh, we'll see what we can. Co you know, conjure up and cobble it together for you. But listen, your input matters to us. We, we love, love you, you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in. We but love you, KG. You're so faithful. As uh, Z pointed out, we are at about that time. And as KG. much as I hate to say goodbye, calm down, girl. KG. <laughs> As much as I hate to say goodbye, we must bid you adieu. Thank you so much for tuning in. You've been watching Two Americas every Wednesday at 9 p.m. on the Urban Conservative. Subscribe, like, share, hit that notification bell, tell all your friends, and we will see you next week. Cheers, brother. Down the hatch. <laughs>